like you to turn to the book of John with me this morning. John chapter 14. I'm going to say a quote to you, and I hopefully you'll stick with me and hear it all the way through. Love is the mode for obedience, and obedience is the measure of love. Love is the mode for obedience, and obedience is the measure of love. And when you say that, you probably wonder, what in the world does this message have to do with, with us here this morning? But obedience is something that is so important. If um, you, you, I mean, I don't know if you ever had any children, but if you have any kids and you tell one of them to do something, they said, I will go do it, and then they don't. Then the other of you tell them, they said, I don't really want to, but then they do it. You, you kind of know what, what this means. Love is the mode for obedience, and obedience is the measure of love. Go to John chapter 14. One of the greatest challenges that I think we face today is a believer that obeys. And it, often it may not be in the little things, but it's in something big. It's learning to put yourself out, out of, and your walk with the Lord out of the way and follow through with your obedience. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, so I really wanted to put down, because if you love me, you keep my commandments. That is what our message is about. How important is it that I'm obedient? How, how important is it that when you tell somebody something and they ask you, or, they, or you tell somebody something that they follow through in obedience? If you love me, you keep my commandments. It is a, it is a second nature for us to see what we see, what we love. Let me just start over. It's a second nature for us to what we love. Um, for three years, Jesus had been in the lives of these disciples. And at this point, he was asking them, are you going to be obedient to me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to listen to what I've told you the past three years? Because the first three years of his ministry, there wasn't a whole lot that went on, except for the basic teaching. But it the last six months of his life that things really became, began to escalate. And how many th- times did he really pour himself into his disciples? And with that in mind, um, did, he, did he love them? He healed them? How many times he healed their family members? Could you imagine being with him at those times when he was out in the middle of a field and he had all the food brought or there was no food at all except two fish and five loaves and, and he began to break it. And can you remember the, the disciples whispering among themselves, how is he going to feed this many people with just such a small amount? But they continued. They've seen all these great things in their life that he had done for them. Why did they follow him, though? Why did they, I could follow somebody for a little while, and I could listen to what they had to say for a little, while, a little while, but what was really going on in the whole life of Christ? In the first three years, what was the, what was the gist of what went on? And you may, you're thinking, what's he getting at? Without the respect factor that was going on in the life of Christ, Without the respect the disciples had for him, they could not have followed. And that's why in this turn, in this passage right here, Jesus took a a long time for him to to get the things ingrained within them, for them to be and develop into what they should. Out of the respect for him, they were listening. Now, I may ask you to do something, but if you don't respect me, you don't want to do it. You know, a percentage of Americans heard this, and I don't know if it was um, the source it came from, 
But 70% of Americans hate their jobs. 70% of Americans hate their jobs. You may wonder what that has to do with this. Because if you hate your job, you halfway do it. You hate your job, you just do get there, get done, get home. Get home. But these have to, this type of situation, God had their, Jesus had their complete respect. And when he spoke to them something, it became, um, when he spoke to them, let me get my thought in my mind. When he spoke to them, they freely responded. And they often did exactly what he would have them to do. Go to John chapter 13, verse 3 and 5, 3 through 5. Whenever I was dating my wife, and it was a long time ago, but there was one place we would go a lot in college. And whenever I would pick her up and I'd say, you want to go get something to eat or whatever. But many times after we'd eat in a cafeteria, she would get in my car and we'd drive over to, uh, what was it called, honey? What was the ice cream restaurant? Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins. The food at the school's typical college food was kind of bland, etc. But we would go there because we enjoyed it. And we enjoyed just being together. And one of the things that she always got was peanut butter chocolate. Peanut butter chocolate ice cream. Oh, it's just amazing. Her eyes will light up and go get an ice cream and we'd go there and eat it. Now what I would always get, what I would always get was nutty coconut. Maybe she didn't enjoy it, but I did. <clears throat> but when I when I got there, I would always get a double dip on a cone, and it would, anybody have nutty coconut and Baskin-Robbins? Anybody ever had it? Oh, next time we go to Baskin-Robbins, nutty coconut. And, uh, but that was a big, kind of a big endeavor for us, a big thing for us, because we went down because I wanted to please her, and I courted her, and I took her out to eat. And as a typical college student, I didn't take her out enough, or big things, but we took her out, I took her out enough. And it was because I thought of a lot of her and I wanted to please her. <clears throat> when you love somebody, uh, you have a tendency to want to do a little more. If you don't love somebody, you have a tendency to not want to do anymore. You do barely what they ask and what is required. Chapter 13, verse 3 and 5. But Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things from his hands, that he was rising from, and that he was gone, come from God, and he went to God, he riseth from, riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself with it. After he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he, then he cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, didst thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do now, does and was not, but what thou... No, hereafter. I'm going to stop here for just a minute because Jesus was teaching a lesson, not just washing feet. I could have a, a pot of water up here and, and a bowl and have Billy come up here and I could wash your feet. And, and symbolically, yes, it wouldn't be a lot of fun. He may have smelly feet and a variety of things. But, and, but it would be bringing him up here to teach him an example. And the reason that Jesus taught them this example was that they wouldn't need to know later on it's all about giving. It's all about giving of themselves. Never did they think that Jesus would stoop down and wash their feet. But often, uh, he gave the example of what they, what they had to do. Jesus operated in complete obedience. 
complete obedience. In John, in Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to just touch on this real, real quick. And I'm going right back to that. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Why did Jesus come to the earth? Seek and save that which is lost, right? But also, he came not to be, well, let's just read this. Verse 28, 28 says, But even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister, and he gave his life for a ransom for many. Everything for, that he has taught, it's about being selfless. And being selfless is, is always willing to, to go the extra mile. There are so many things that go on here that nobody ever thinks about. Nobody thinks about, well, who about, who about coming here early and who cleans the church and who comes in early and, and teaches the Sunday school classes or who comes in here and makes sure all the stuff on the platform is working and in the sound booth. Misty was here yesterday and Misty is such an unsung hero because she does so much. These are all things that we do out of obedience. Wasn't anything asked, uh, Jesus himself, everything is, uh, he is oh, get my thoughts out. Everything that he lived for was about the future. He knew that when he was gone, these guys had to carry the, the potential and carry the, the cross, if you will, that they would be in the, the, heart of a, <clears throat> the heart of a servant. Jesus came to, not to serve, but to be, not to be served, but to serve. Now look in verse 14. And then I, your Lord, Master, have washed your feet. You also, also should wash another's feet. If I have given you an example that you, should, that you should have done, that you should do as I have done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, your servant is not greater than his Lord, and neither is, your, is he that is sent greater than him that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye to do them. I want to say two things about this in particular. You see, sometimes you think you have thoughts and you have them, but they fleet, so I gotta bring them back to home, okay? So let me bring them back home for a minute. But in verse, um, verse 14, one of the things that he said is that you should, that you should have done. And I don't want to beg you, but it may be beneath you to get out and bear anybody's burden, to bear anybody's feet. I remember one time, I won't say where, but I remember washing some men's feet, and, and this is not something we're going to have. We're not having a foot washing. We're going to bring the pants in the back, and everybody come up here and sit on the altar, and someone wash them. But <clears throat> I got this guy, and he had real long nails, and that was the last time I ever going to do a foot washing, okay? <clears throat> so, so Jesus was established. Okay, that was not, not even appropriate, but anyway. <clears throat> Why did these guys, why did Jesus' disciples be so willing to serve? And it was because it was freely done. It was freely, they freely gave themselves into service. And it was because of the respect they had for him. Now, Jesus told them to, uh, you, are, you are to be servants of others. Give your time. Washing feet may not be really common today. But you must be available as you see others, as you see others who are in need. And verse 17 I want you to know what happens. How many have ever volunteered and done something? How many does food pantry? Yeah. Why do you do food pantry? To serve and to give to others? 
it's not really the most glorious thing. It's not always the, always the most glamorous, but it's something that you feel better about. What else is something that you do that you have a tendency to maybe serve in? Go, what? Coach, okay. What about, how about the greeters who are here this morning? You were here greeting and telling people, and you can help them in the other needs that they have, that they, like where the bathrooms are, how to get in the church, etc. But it's about something that was rewarding about being a, a, a look at verse 17, forget it. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them. The reward of giving and knowing the joy, there's joy in sowing. There's so much, let me just, how many of you here never, don't raise your hand, but how many of you never serve? You expect everything to be done for you. You always want everything done to hand it to you, and you, you request something you want it done, but you very rarely ever do anything for anybody else. If, if, you, if, you, if you have a hard time doing for other people, there's probably something missing because the whole goal of Jesus and all the years that he was here, he was teaching his disciples about giving of themselves. Number three. There are barriers to blessings in serving. And I think that serving is so rewarding. And there's times I've wanted to serve and there's times I didn't want to serve. But there's one thing about it when you do things, as far as even like um, if the Lord lays up on your heart to, to give something. And you don't have to ask questions. You just have to go do it and be obedient. When you're obedient, it is such a rewarding feeling to know that you've done something the Lord wants you to do. But in this, <clears throat> in this next example... There was a, uh, a guy in the Old Testament. The whole book is only about four chapters long. It's really uh, pretty action-packed. His name is Jonah. And the thing about him is he, wore, he, he lived out of disobedience. And everything that he kept, he kept going through times and, and everything that he done. Let me just <clears throat> stick to my notes. Uh, every, everything in jo, Jonah's life was hard. Everything from, from beginning to the end of the book one thing went wrong to another thing went wrong to another thing went wrong because he knew what was right, but he refused to do it. Why is it that we get so hard-hearted that we, we don't care what's right? We're going to do the opposite regardless. And that's exactly what he done. And it cost him dearly. He went through the whole life unfulfilled. And a disobedience, and, uh, disobedience is a barrier to your blessing. It creates a void in your life. Uh, empty in her heart. Judas was betrayed. Did you notice how long, how did Judas go and spend the money that he was giving you? Absolutely. Judah, uh, Judas himself was instantly, when he found out after he deceived the Christ, that he instantly was regretful for what he had done. And he took the money back and tried to make himself feel better. And he threw the money down. He had no worth. Serving and, and giving is so important. And it's something that we don't hear enough about it probably, but we need to uh, take it and apply it to our life and make sure that we understand it. Go to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Who would like to be given a lot? Come on. How many would like to be given a lot? At least opportunity, at least opportunity to serve. Uh, the opportunity. It's something that all of us, we probably we weren't so prideful, we raised our hand. But, but in this scripture here, in <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, 
I don't need Kleenex, honey. Verse 48. But he that knew not did commit things worthy of the stripes shall be beaten for stripes. And this is the part I want to focus on. For for unto whosoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And unto whom much have been committed, whom men have committed much, of him they will ask some more. There is one thing we've always said around here that the people who do the most are always asked to do more. They just do, or they simply don't have to be asked, they simply just do it. Right? Have you ever noticed how many times, how many, when you have family get togethers and you have two or three people that do all the food, they prepare it all. And some people, maybe you don't trust them to prepare it, but other people you don't, you don't ask them because you know they'll do it begrudgingly. I'm gonna leave that one alone. Okay. Um, for unto you, for, for unto who much is given, have you ever noticed, noticed um, this is a truth, ever noticed that blessed people are a lot, have a whole lot required of them? And why do they have a whole lot required of them? Because they can handle it. Man, blessed people, more is given to them and more is, opportunity is given to them and they're blessed in so many ways and they can handle it. They understand this. They understand it. If, if, if some people just come and show and saying, take care of me, but, but other people understand the part about going and taking care of the problem. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, there's a scripture that Jesus once, he told him, if you'll have faith to the grain of what is that? Did you know that even the obedience in the, in the size of a mustard seed, it may be something small, but it's got to begin somewhere. If you're a selfish person, you're always worried about everything coming to you. But when you can begin to do something, begin to serve and begin to, to do something for other people, it's an, it's, an, it's an order that God gave us, but it's also, an, in fact, an, a you're activating faith in your life when you allow that to happen. But in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, let a man so account as of ministers of Christ, so stewards and stewards of the mysteries of God. For, over, for moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Man, it's amazing how unfaithful you may know a lot of people, but it's amazing how faithful God expects of us. And how many, how many of you would uh, agree with you want to be faithful. Oh, that God would find a man that's faithful. Faithful. <clears throat> Sometimes you don't even know your notes. <clears throat> a man who's faithful. Being faithful is just not in the giving. And faithful is being able to deal with whatever God lays on your heart. Philippians 2 8. Now, doubtless I counted all things but loss for excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
in things I lost, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may have Christ to be found in him but having my own righteousness which is the law for that which is through the faith the righteousness which is which is of God by faith I just read the wrong thing I didn't think it sounded right we're going to read the next one and being found in self-fashioned as a man he humbled himself and here it is and became obedient to death even on the cross wherefore God gave him also wherefore hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name there was a, when I was growing up, I was in the hills of eastern Kentucky. And I watched my mom and dad start a church in Mount Vernon and, and suffered a lot. Of course, they never told me anything, but they suffered many things. But I know every Sunday night, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, I would go with my mother on the church van. My mom was kind of known for a heavy foot. She went kind of fast, but I cannot imagine, think of the hours they spent that nobody ever thought about. The time that my father went visiting people I wouldn't visit. I would have been, but I was young. And, but I ended up, ended up going with him because he would ask me. I thought of all the necessary things in many people's lives that those two did on behalf of the people in Mount Vernon. See, it didn't have a lot of reward at that time. But years later, it did. It spoke to me about all the things they did that they didn't have to do. Last point. Last point. You see... We don't always do things because we think of a benefit. But the nature of God is, if you give God rewards, if you give God, God gives back. And I don't say that to, to be degrading or be the thinking in a, way, in a way that's not right. But there is something about God's very nature that he, when he is given to it, he is trusted with, that he always gives back. And, and you... If you go into your giving that way, you're probably not right, but because you give so with a free heart. And, but there were people that would do things in the Old Testament. We're going to go in chapter uh, 4 of 2 Kings. There was a wealthy, rich woman, and doing something. Everybody look at me for just a second. I, know I may have put you to sleep. Doing something by faith. Doing something that nobody else has wanted to do. Doing something that everybody else may see the need, but they don't, they don't put any effort in it. And in this particular passage, do something. If you don't do nothing else, do something. And by faith, and by command, and by love. In, <clears throat> in chapter 4, 2 Kings, verse 8. And it fell on the day, Elisha, it fell on the day when Elisha passed by Shunem, there was a great woman. She constricted him, she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was as often as he passed by, he turned in hither to eat bread. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man which passes by us continually. Let's make a little chamber, I pray thee. In other words, a little room on the hole of a wall. And let, let us set aside there a bed, a table, and a stool and a, can, and a candlestick. And this shall be when he cometh to us and he, he shall turn in thither. And it came to pass on that 
And he came there, and he turned in the chamber, and he laid there. And he said to the gaze of the servant, call this Shunammite. When you have called her, and she stood before him. And he said to her, behold now, behold, this was careful for us. Behold, thou hast been careful for us with this care. What is to be done for thee? How many people are so unselfish that you've just done something, an opportunity, you've seen a need, and you've done something? Something I've used for an example since the old church downtown. Now, I was talking about ownership, but even when you're walking out across the parking lot, you already know where I'm going. And there's a piece of a candy wrapper blowing on the ground. Instead of stepping over it, pick it up. Wad it up, throw it away, take it to your car, take it home, whatever. But we've got this such a, such a place that we don't want to do the extra. Not willing to, to be willing to do anything extra. And this woman herself, she had been barren for many years. And when she had done this for the Lord, it opened up an opportunity, a window for her to receive a blessing. And I thought about so many times have we had, we could have things open up for us, so many things could, uh, bigger than we ever could have dreamed if we simply reached out and done something for someone else or something else or whatever we'd have done. But have we been ripped off? It's your nature of God to return, to return blessing. And I'm not saying you step out and return and do things and return a blessing. But there are so many important things. I know so many of you have done things. I know those of you who have given to my family or given to Tyson or given to Lakes and given to Atlanta. You never know. Bow your heads with me. We had a young, a little baby up here and a young couple. They know it a little bit, but they'll find out that it's a complete lifestyle of giving. Making sure she has this, making sure she has that, she has the best, she has, uh, goes to school the right place and, and whatever the need may be, but they don't know yet all that is in, entailed in raising that child. But it's all in giving to her to provide a good outcome. And it's the same with us. The Lord has a desire to give to us. He does. But the Lord has also done this. He's laid a certain, a certain burden upon your heart to learn to give to. And I don't know what this is necessarily about. But I'm going to tell you that you need to learn to live a little bit selfishly unselfishly and begin to operate in your gift. The Lord is rewarded. The rewards will come. The Lord blesses in a variety of ways. But it's amazing what He'll do with those who are willing to serve.
there are a few others here today that you know you're supposed to be serving and know God's put a burden on your heart to do it but you don't do it and I'm going to ask you to stand if you would for these who have stood there's something on their heart Lord that's, they don't know how they're going to do it don't know the opportunity is going to be there but God I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven for them that you'll pour out your special call upon them Lord they'll walk in obedience they can walk in your faithfulness and God you'll, you'll do things that only you can do as they begin to step out and believe you and I believe you for it myself this morning this God, we ask you to do great things among the people of this congregation. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name.